1: California lawmakers are coming for your kids. They're also coming for your money. They want to raise gas taxes. They want to raise vehicle registration fees. And ultimately, they're going to pass it along to the people receiving pensions here in the state of California who work for uh, you know, a public entity because we just found out that the average public pension payment out- now outpaces what the average private worker is earning. How do you feel about all that, Greg? I'm in the wrong line of work. I need to go get a government job. <laughs> I think I think you're right. And we have a great guest on the line today to help us deconstruct everything that is California. Steve Frank from the California Political Review. You can uh, sign up for his California Political News and Views. It's a daily email that comes out with all the big hits uh, regarding what's going on in this crazy state of California at the website California Political Review. Dot com. Click on California Political News and Reviews, and down below you'll find a site to sign up for his daily newsletter. It's highly recommended because there's stuff that Steve Frank finds out about that very few people know about. Steve, welcome to the Unite IE radio program.
2: Always
3: glad to be with you guys.
2: We'll start with um, coming for your children, and that's that's not hyperbole, is it?
3: No, it isn't. SB 18 by uh, Senator Pan of Sacramento uh, would define the Children's Bill of Rights as the government determining the appropriate education, health care, and nutrition of your children, and government will make that determination, not you as the parent, and if you, for instance, decide to homeschool a child... Uh, that would be determined to be non-appropriate, and your child will be forced into government education. If you decide to be a a parent that serves your children hamburgers for dinner, that could be considered non-appropriate, and the government will mandate the food your children eat. If your child is diseased and goes to a doctor, and the doctor says, well, we have three options to treat the disease, It will be the government, not you, the parent, that chooses the option. In other words, you are merely a sperm and egg donor rather than a parent.
1: And that is not hyperbole. And, you know, I can see possibly a few well intentioned California legislators saying, we're just looking out for the welfare of the kids. And I get it. You know, we do need to look out for the welfare of the kids. But in the hands of an out-of-control bureaucracy down the road, maybe a generation or two, who turns this law, and it may not even be that far in advance, Steve, you tell us where this uh, might end up, an out-of-control uh, bureaucracy that would use this, let's just say, oh, I don't know political retribution because they don't like the way somebody's politics are lined up or uh, maybe all of a sudden they think that you having a gun around your house endangers your children and we got to take the kids away because it's not an environment that's safe do you see something like this going out of control in that direction possibly
3: we are already there we already have children's services in county after county, uh, taking children away from parents, uh, bullying parents into making decisions they don't want to make for their children. And we have parents actually leaving the state in order to protect their children. One great example is the idea that it's mandatory in the state of California to give your children vaccinations. And so tens of thousands of parents have left the state because they don't want to do that. Uh, that's just one small example.
2: Well, I think the bullying is an important component of it because even if the parents ultimately went to court and challenged it and there are, the, the US Supreme Court has ruled on uh, giving really very really broad uh, protection to parents and the ability to raise their children. So even if you could challenge it legally and go through the process and ultimately win your case, most parents are, don't have the legal the money to do that, and aren't going to risk that. They're more they're much more likely just to succumb and do what CPS tells them to do under the threat of taking their children or arresting them. Uh, so I think the, that, that bullying comment that you made is very apropos, and how this new law would give them even more authority and ability to do that.
3: Well, that's right. What Senator Pan believes is that you as a parent are not smart enough uh... to uh... grow your children that government needs to be the lead in doing that unfortunately the democrat majority and possibly two-thirds of the democrat majority believe that uh, uh, parents are merely egg and sperm donors. They have been passing bills to make families poorer, to make it more difficult to get jobs in the state of California, to control the education of the children, and to failed education. Uh, this is a system that is based on, uh, on getting you out of your car and being forced to use government transportation, uh, even though it costs a great deal of money. Uh, for the taxpayers to subsidize. This is a socialist state, and that's what, where it comes from.
2: Well, I think the other aspect of this is that they want to be able to use lawyers will, will now sue the government, saying that there's a constitutional, there's a right here for all these wonderful benefits for children, so the government now has to spend more money and raise taxes to provide for. These rights, so I, so I think it's double edged. I think it's both to intimidate the parents and control the parents, but it's also to let the lawyers and let the liberal activist groups sue the state, and and then the state will okay, yeah, you're right. We have to raise taxes and increase spending even more to provide for all these wonderful rights we've now bestowed on children.
3: Well, here's the biggest problem with SB eighteen. After SB eighteen, uh, the government could come in and and tell you how to. Uh, Uh, educate your children. But the problem of SB 18 is if you have a neighbor that doesn't like you, they could go to court to force the government to take your child away from homeschooling because they don't like you and force the government to take action against you. And it doesn't take anything to do that. Uh, As we like to say, uh, just drop a dime and uh, your neighbor will literally be able to have your child taken from you under SB-18.
1: Sounds a little like uh, a different version of swatting. you know, that practice where somebody who doesn't like you will call SWAT on you, and the next thing you know, your door is being broken down because someone reported you as uh, in the middle of a crime. What do you know about the organ- one of the organizations behind this SB-18 is called the Right Start Commission. Is this an organization that we need to be concerned about?
3: It's just another one of those phony front groups uh, set up for the uh, specific purpose of uh, developing legislation. It didn't exist before. It will go away when SB 18 is passed. Uh, it won't be needed unless they decide to use that as the agency to sue up, uh, to force to sue government to take your children from you. That may be the the final purpose of this agency. This is just another scam organization that doesn't believe in the rights of families.
1: All right, Steve, we've got more interesting, bad, I don't know, perplexing news up ahead. Gas taxes, you think you're paying enough at the pump already? Well, Governor Brown and another... Senate bill are seeking to get a little more, squeeze a little more out of consumers. Uh, We'll talk about that when we get back from our break
2: from our our sponsor for this half hour. Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. More with Steve Frank and the bad news from Sacramento after this message.
4: Hey, Larry Elder here. Now, if you're a homeowner thinking about refinancing or you'd like to be a homeowner and aren't sure where to start, Call my friend Ed Hoffman at Wholesale Capital Corporation. Rates are great right now, and from what Ed tells me, there are a lot of great opportunities out there in real estate. You need a lender you can count on, and I can vouch for Ed. He'll deal with you straight and advise you like you're part of the family. Just give Ed a call at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. I know, Ed, he's a good guy who'll talk to you like a friend and won't make you feel like you've just walked into a shark tank. Now is the time to buy or refinance. Give my friend Ed Hoffman a call at Wholesale Capital Corporation. Again, 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or visit him online, wccloans.com. 855-640-2020. AM 590. The Answer. This is Assemblywoman Melissa Melendez urging you to tune in to Unite
1: IE Radio every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. on AM 590 The Answer.
2: Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office. Mark Twain once said that uh, no man's life, liberty, or property is safe while the legislature is in session, and uh, boy, is it ever true in California today. We have on the line with us Steve Frank, who is the guru of California politics and the editor-in-chief of CA com. Great source on what's happening in California. Let's pick up our discussion with the Democrats' latest plan to increase our gas taxes and vehicle registration fees as if we're not already paying enough. California has the already counting cap and trade, the highest gas tax in the country, but the 47th worst roads.
3: So well, how, how are so we going to pay more? The city of Los Angeles with the deadliest streets in the nation.
1: Nice. What are we looking forward to with uh, the gas tax and the budget?
3: Well, I'm not looking forward to it. But the uh, governor has a, uh, a bu- his budget bill that includes a 42% increase in the gas tax and a $65 increase in the vehicle registration fee. To pass the budget, which would include this new tax, only takes 55% of the legislature. So no Republicans are needed to pass the budget and this tax. Then you have separate from this another gas tax increase SB1 which last week passed the Senate Finance Committee this increases gas taxes by 12 cents a gallon and if you have a regular car $38 a year extra in vehicle registration fee and if you have a zero emissions car it uh, the registration fee goes up $100 uh, a year uh, for that car. Is this an uh, addition? all this money going to the uh, a new program called the road improvement fund because what they've done with the transportation money and the gas tax money is that they have used it for other purposes so we don't have the money for to fix the streets and the roads so now they're going to use this new tax money in both cases both the governor's bill and uh... a good governor's budget and the Hertzberg bill uh... in order to create a fund to uh, fix our streets and roads, uh, the Hertzberg bill will take two-thirds vote uh, to pass the legislature, but it did pass the uh, Senate, the uh, Senate uh, Finance Committee uh, last week.
1: So, Steve. I thought that in order to pass a tax increase in California required a two-thirds vote of the legislature. Having this uh, in in these tax increases inside the governor's budget is that is that an end around that rule? Is that somehow getting around that requirement?
3: Yes, it's an end around because it's a uh, integral part of the budget, not a separate bill. And therefore, uh, that only takes a 55% vote of the legislature. It used to take two-thirds, but they couldn't get enough Republicans to pass on things like this. And so they changed the rules to make it 55%.
2: So why aren't these things... Are these things going to sail through? Will they be able to get enough of their Democrats to support raising gas taxes on their own constituents? Because Californians love to raise taxes as long as it's on somebody else. On themselves, not so much.
3: Well, the budget bill with the tax increase... Uh, we'll do it. By the way, while we're talking about uh, gas taxes and all, there's another tax in the governor's bill. So, Greg, you've decided you're going to sell your house, or Don, you've decided to buy a house. In uh, both cases, the transfer tax is increased, I believe, by 3% uh, in in this bill as well. So, buying or selling homes will become more expensive as well.
1: Unbelievable. Now, One of the sinkholes that all this money is going into, we just learned, and I think you wrote about this also or are going to write about it, having to do with the fact that pensions in California, pension benefits in California, those receiving a retirement amount of money who have worked for a public sector agency and are now getting a PERS benefit, that on average is now outstripping what the average person in the private sector is being paid for working.
3: Well, that's that's correct. Uh, there is a twelve 000 to fourteen thousand uh, dollar effect that if you are a government worker, you will uh, have your uh, pension at somewhere between sixty four and sixty six thousand dollars a year. And if you're a private sector, it's fifty-two thousand a year. But here's the kicker on the uh, on the state one: over half of the employees that retire from the state of California, over ninety percent of the cops and firefighters that retire, retire on disability, which means that fifty percent of your retirement pay is tax free. So it's not only the differential on the upfront dollars, but there's also a major differential on the uh, taxes paid by uh, government reti- retired government employees.
1: You said 90% of firefighters and police officers retire dis- on, a, on disability? Over 90%. And half of government employees retire disabled? That's correct. Which, obviously, that half includes the 90% of the... Right, right. You know, that That is an, an unbelievable number. I mean, it's believable because I, you're saying it, but, I mean, that that's shocking. There was a
3: story uh, a few days ago last year, I believe it was 14 police chiefs around the state retired, 12 of whom retired on disability, and that doesn't mean that the other two won't file for disability.
2: Well, you know, being a police chief is is, is hard work. You got to, you know, you you got to.
1: Look, I'm not one to, you know, it's hard. It's really difficult to, you know, criticize, you know, cops. I mean, we we depend on them. Obviously, that thin blue line in our communities is extremely important in maintaining a civil society. And we know all too well the stories. from Palm Springs to Whittier, of the cops that daily put their lives on the line for us. So it's a very difficult conversation on the one hand to, you know, thank them and, and understand the, the risk that they put their lives in, but then to turn around and have a conversation about how do we manage this. And we're not, we haven't even talked about the fact that the California pensions, depending on the article that you read, are, are anywhere from what, uh, you know, 500 to a trillion dollars, 500 billion to a trillion dollars unfunded.
3: Well, actually, CalPERS is $1.4 trillion uh, underfunded. Uh, CalSTRS, the teachers, are about $200 billion uh, unfunded liabilities. And uh, starting July 1, both CalPERS and CalSTRS are increasing the mandatory contributions by the constituent agencies by 13%. And within three years, a cumulative of 50%. Wow. And there are towns like Manteca that are going up 75%.
1: So is, that's what the agencies are paying. But are the what about the employees? Is that going to require an increase in the employees' contribution?
3: No. In most cases, the government agencies pay the increases as part of the union agreement. So uh, that means money is being taken out of classrooms, Uh, out of uh, police forces, out of road repair, just to pay for it. There are cities starting July 1 that are going to have uh, massive uh, cuts in basic services because the choice is the services or paying the pensions.
2: So, and government employees, they make far more than the difference you talked about when they're actually working they have less accountability. I mean, I mean, it's hard to fire a lousy or an incompetent government employee. Never mind mediocre. So you have this, almost like this, uh, mandarin class of privileged workers in California, of the government employees, and everyone else has to work to uh, serve them and, and, and pay for the, all their salaries and benefits. You wonder how long that's gonna that can sustain itself.
3: Well, the average Californian is earning less in the private sector than the average government worker. There are uh, fire departments in Northern California, and I know you guys are sitting down, where firefighters are paid between 300 and 400,000 a year.
1: Yeah, I've I, I heard about that on an on an on another report that was being done. That is just astronomical. And one of the things that they were saying in that is that they have to do that because to pay the firefighters overtime, which drives these pension benefits up, is cheaper than bringing on another firefighter. Because to bring on another firefighter to reduce the overtime is more expensive in the long well, run.
3: Uh, you know, the times are changing, as we all know and one item that we should be looking at is do we need all of that for instance in the city of LA approximately 75 percent of all calls to the fire department is for E.M.T.s. that actually home fires and business fires are down dramatically but medical needs are up dramatically and do we have the right mix in our fire departments, and are we working the system correctly? Because if we have so much, so many uh, medical needs and so few real fire needs, why aren't we changing the system?
1: And don't fire trucks roll along with the EMT trucks at the same time to a uh, medical emergency? So you got a fi- you got a fire truck or two along with the ambulance, right?
3: Uh, exactly. In most cases, yes
1: crazy
2: well they need to justify their existence so roll the fire truck show they're doing something in the last minute or two we have with you steve
1: any quick hits you want to share with our listeners before we have to let you go to your next interview because you're such a busy guy
3: well i'm doing a story tomorrow that will interest uh, you folks uh SB 54 the san- uh, the bill by Senator de Leon to make California a sanctuary state is now having problems being passed uh, due to a technicality De Leon introduced this bill as an emergency bill meaning it takes two-thirds vote of the legislature and so far the uh, county Sheriff's Association, and the state police chiefs association have come out against it. And in a rally in Sacramento yesterday in favor of sanctuary cities, the Leon did not uh, announce and would refuse to answer the question, is he going to keep his bill as is? And he did announce after the rally that he is negotiating to change his bill. So he, he is trying to water down his own bill. The reality is, Any bill that makes a sanctuary state out of California is one that brings economic calamity to the state of California.
1: God bless you, Steve, for being with us and for sharing uh, a little bit about and, and and the horrible thing about this is we haven't even begun to get into all of the crazy things that are going on in the little bit that we've had with you. Thank you Steve for all your hard work to keep this stuff in front of us. Folks you can go out and stay apprised of what's going on every day with uh, Steve's daily email go to capoliticalreview.com Click on the California Political News and Views link, and you'll be connected directly to Steve Frank's work. Steve, thank you for being with us here on the United IE Radio program. Thank you, Steve.
5: Have a great day. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. We've been serving our community with personalized homeownership solutions for over 26 years with offices in Moreno Valley, Temecula, Corona, Downey, Westlake Village, and Covina to service all Southern California and Arizona. Today, we are experiencing excellent conditions in real estate and real estate financing. Interest rates are as low as they've ever been in our history, and real estate prices have come way up from the lows of 2010. If you've purchased a house in the last several years, there's a great chance that today your equity position is much better and available interest rates are much lower, two factors that spell opportunity for you. If you want to find out what this means to you and you want to talk to a lender who will give you straightforward, honest direction towards an option that's best for you, call me toll free at 855 640 2020. That's 855 640 2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday, 9 30 a.m. and 9 o'clock p.m. And again, Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. Right here on AM 590, The Answer. Licensed by California DRE, Broker License number 01147747, and California Financers Lenders License number 603K610. Licensed by the California Department of Business Oversight number 603K610, and MLS 9873.
2: AM 590, The Answer. <laughs> Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office. You know, we just had a, uh, two sessions with Steve Frank and what's happening in Sacramento, and it's, it, it's, it's just staggering to think uh, that uh, it could be that bad. And every year... It gets worse. It's like it's like the, it's like the proverbial frog being boiled. We are slowly.
1: Boiled. We are being
2: boiled in the, in, the, in the pan of hot water. Yeah. And you can tell, I
1: mean, there's a massive exodus out of California. Those that are left behind to deal with all this, folks, there are ways that we can push back on this. And you'll learn about those at the fourth annual Unite IE Conservative Conference on April the 30th at the Riverside Convention Center. We've got some great guests that are going to be a part
2: of this year's convention. Larry Elder. Dennis Prager, one of my favorites, and Hugh Hewitt, as well as Joe Pollack from Breitbart News, uh, who wrote the book, How Trump Won. We'll have a California panel specifically focusing on the problems here in California and other speakers to be announced. This is a great conference, great to network with fellow patriots, and you can get your tickets now at AM590, theanswer.com. Check, click on the rotating banner for the conference. Uh, general admission is $30, and the VIP brunch is $90. $95. Both are both are great values, and we hope to see you there. And stay tuned for the second half hour of Unite, i.e. radio. It is clearly open season
1: on prominent Trump supporters. That is Michael Savage's comment. He's a talk radio star uh, all across the country, syndicated all across the country. And apparently, he was assaulted at a restaurant in Tiburon, California. Tiburon, California. Tiburon. Tiburon, California. Michael Savage, who is largely credited with aiding President Donald Trump's election, said that he was not able to comment on the specific alleged incident his attorney told the news media that savage was verbally taunted and then assaulted by a restaurant patron patron who also kicked his dog apparently michael savage has a kicked his dog dog.
2: now that now that's going too far
1: that is going way too far and apparently michael savage got bloodied in this contest but it really does speak to the uh to to the the climate right now in the United States, the political climate, now this is Northern California, so we know that UC Berkeley and the anarchists that are up there. Yeah, I, that's Marin flooding. County.
2: I mean, that the heart of compassionate, tolerant, liberalism. Right?
1: Yep. Not so compassionate, not so tolerant. And they're not compassionate at the town hall meetings that are happening around the state and country. Uh, Congressman Duncan Hunter in Ramona at the main stage in that city, 300 seat capacity. There was over a thousand people who lined up and four hours before the event, there were over 200 people that were in line to attend this event. Mostly the people who are lining up early, Greg, were people that are part of this indivisible movement, which if you have been reading about it, folks uh, in our listening audience, this is a movement that was created by two, uh, several congressional staffers, Democrats, uh, far left leaning individuals to essentially call on, uh, you know, folks that are liberals that are disappointed about the results of the November 8th election as a rallying cry to Replicate, sort of, if you will, the Tea Party movement that organically started.
2: Right. This is this is top down, well funded by uh, leftist organizations, including Soros. Yep. So it's quite different in that respect. Well, it is quite different, and and although they look to try to capture
1: the spirit and the activities of the Tea Party, at the core of this is a. Is an activist that is, you know, almost a brown shirt person because they're using tactics uh, at congressional offices, at these town hall meetings that, honestly, the Tea Party never even dreamed of back then in terms of the way that they're responding to this. The uh, what they're doing at these town hall meetings, the fact that most of them, and I'm getting reports from folks that are in line with these people, and many of them have absolutely no idea about the real issues that are in play right now, don't understand them, don't understand the the laws. They're just responding to the call to show up and yell and be a general public retard.
2: Well, and, I, and I don't know about these specific people of Ramona, but uh, oftentimes these leftist anti-Trump rallies, they are being paid. Yes, and there are ads on Craigslist. Uh, there are there are buses that have brought them in. So a lot, many of these are actually being paid for the, for being there. Now I don't know about specifically uh, these people, but you're right. That's a good comment about the brown shirts, and that's part of the leftist anti-Trump. Um, effort is they have these people out there that there are these crazed leftists that believe that are willing to use violence and we saw that in berkeley as a prominent example and and the, uh, the the other leftists the other liberals they will stand back and let the brown shirts do their work we saw that in san jose at a trump rally last year we just saw that in middlebury college in vermont where they wanted to have a prominent conservative speaker Charles Murray <coughs> left to attack him and the liberal professor who after the event was canceled was escorting him to his car they attacked her put her in the hospital and she's in a neck brace
1: it's, a, it's incredible. And we attended an event this week. Ben Shapiro was at the University of Redlands. You have, uh, Greg, befriended the leaders of the uh, Young Americans for Freedom that are leading the chapter of that organization on that campus. And Ben Shapiro came at their invitation. It was coordinated with a couple of other uh, entities at uh, University of Redlands. I thought. That I would be fine. This this chapel that they were holding it at had uh, what like a thousand seat capacity, right. and when I got there at quarter after six, uh, the for a line for o'clock start. For yeah. seven o'clock start, the line was already. It looked like possibly you know five hundred people deep already. And I was informed at the gate, uh, sir, we're sold out. And if he, so if you didn't buy your ticket in advance, I think they sold out uh, with it, you know, 24 hours in, before the event started or something like that. They got the, a, a surge.
2: It must have been our radio show last week where we promoted the event. That mu- that I must think have that's what it was. Yeah, Absolutely.
1: It, yeah. So I was fortunate enough to be able to find somebody that had an extra ticket. You had already had yours. Um I thought it was a great event. Uh and and none of the, what we just talked about happened. The uh students at the University of Redlands were uh were well behaved. It looked like they were there taking notes. Uh there was a whole section in the lower left that looked like it had been saved for uh students that may have been prompted to attend by their professors. But I'll tell you this. I was sitting behind a row of adults. Uh I was sitting behind a row of adults that looked like they were educators or staff or uh, administrators of some sort uh, from the University of Redlands. And it looked like they were in utter pain during the entire presentation. They just sat there and looked straightforward. They never cracked a, a facial expression. They never applauded at anything. It was it was amazing. And the more that the event went on, I'm like, are you, are you, cr-? no emotion whatsoever. It was it was uncanny. The only thing I can think of is obviously they were completely opposed to what Ben Shapiro was talking about. But the reality of it is, no motion. Well, I mean, th- it was almost mechanical.
2: At least, at least, at least they didn't uh, interrupt. And I thought a couple of ob- my observations. One is that most of the people there, judging from audience reaction, were supportive. There were a couple. There were a couple of questions that maybe came from the liberal side. Um, most of the questions were from the conservative side. Good questions so, too. So, I might so, add. So yeah. So it, it looked like he drew the people that, for the most part, that already agreed with him. There was you know there was a plot of applause for what he had to say. Right. There was there was no booing or jeers for for anything he said, and, that, and that's unfortunate he reached the people that are already basically in agreement with him now there are probably some people there that were just listening politely and that's, and that's good what was also funny was they had the leftist students there they organized a dance party of resistance right at another location on campus to try to attract students so they didn't want them to be hear any any of these dangerous heretical conservative ideas
1: and it was still going on when the event ended when we walked out of the chapel it was actually being held at a building that overlooked this long grassy stretch there on the campus and the music was i mean it was loud from where we were i can't even imagine what it was like for the students uh main point from uh, ben shapiro uh what did you take away
2: we talked a lot about the, this hierarchy that they teach of, of, you know, of your victimhood on campus and what nonsense that is, is that uh, um, supposed my, minorities that are so hard here really aren't, that the, the country is open if you work hard, get an education. He mentioned there was a study from the Liberal Brookings Institution that if you graduate high school, do not have children before you get married and get a job, your chances of being in poverty are 2%. Right. So if you follow the rules— you're not. You're not going to be poor. You're not going to remain poor in America. Absolutely. And the other topic that he talked about was
1: this construct that is being taught called intersectionality. Right. That's the hierarchy
2: of the of your of your victimhood.
1: Right. And it was funny. He did an analogy. He said, you know, with the the white this, the the white male uh, the white older male is at the bottom, and at the top of it is the person who is uh you know half black half uh indian half whatever who is uh who has gender uh what do they call it gender fluidity gender fluidity yeah yeah and that person essentially rules the conversation and can never be wrong And the white person all the way at the bottom cannot engage anybody, cannot be right, and cannot engage anybody above him. It's a very funny
2: example. Right, and if I could, the other interesting thing, was, as I asked him, is is how are the colleges uh, so successful at selling so many students on the used and failed ideology of socialism and turning them against America, whose freedom and prosperity the students enjoy? And his response was it was interesting, I thought, is it's because the left talks in terms of morality, whereas the conservatives talk about in economic efficiency of how the free enterprise system is economic, a better system produces more jobs, higher wages, da, 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 da but the left sells them on morality. So they feel good that they even though they have all the accoutrements in, of American prosperity, they can be for socialism and feel good about their moral superiority. Interesting argument, and we should be we should bear that in mind. Is it's a first and foremost a moral argument, not a practical argument?
1: Exactly. Now, Ben Shapiro was streaming the event, and I was just quickly scanning his Facebook page to see if it was there. There is a Daily Wire um, article. Uh, it's called "Snowflakes: Leftist Students Host the Dance Party of Resistance at uh, Shapiro Event." Uh, it's got a picture of the uh of the event that took place with a great big green flag draped in front of it. It's also got a picture uh but i I'm computers freezing up here great so I can't tell people whether or not there's a live stream on this well uh during the break, what we'll do is look this up and uh see if we can find out where the live stream is so that we can report this but we do need to take a break a real quick break We'll be back with more about what unfolded this week between a travel ban the health insurance uh that's being pushed through Congress right now
2: and so much more after a break from our sponsor for this half hour. All-Star Coalition, the place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of rock and roll.
5: Back after this. Mention AM 590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. Car Star, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM 590, The Answer. This is Senator Mike Morrell
1: asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at
4: 4 o'clock on AM 590, The Answer.
1: Welcome back to the Unite Inland Empire radio program, the radio show for the most important political office in the country. That is you and our listening audience. That is the private citizen. We were talking about the Ben Shapiro event just before uh, the break. And if you go to www.facebook.com forward slash unite Inland Empire, spelled out. Uh, We have it posted up there. Ben uh, Shapiro did live stream it onto YouTube, and we've posted it to our Facebook page. So just go to our Facebook page for Unite Inland Empire, and you can find Ben Shapiro's. There's a bunch of what's called dead roll right in the beginning. you got to kind of go through that 15, 20 minutes as the live stream was waiting to get started. But all the Q&A is there, including a young lady that was standing up trying to defend... Uh, abortion. She was obviously pro-abortion. And I think Ben Shapiro did an amazing job of dismantling that argument. I think that was one of the highlights of the evening.
2: It was, but, but not at but not, but the beginning. Don't miss the university's uh, director of diversity and, yes! and, diversity and inclusion. She probably makes $350,000 a year at the university based on students paying $62,000 a year to, to, to go there. And she read for us the university's anti um, sexual harassment, anti racial harassment policy. I mean, the, the evening would not have been complete without reading this and what got
1: really humorous was when she went through the list of groups and and identity types that they would not tolerate discrimination against literally as that list was being read it sounded like it was going to go on forever the audience started laughing at her because it was like every group you can imagine green martian i mean any any F- possible description of a of, of a of a marginalized community in the United States was in this diversity and anti-discrimination policy. It was
2: crazy. Yeah. And then, oh, yeah. And then she says, well, I'm not going to read the entire student conduct manual. And then the audience all starts to I
1: know, right? <laughs> uh, it was crazy. But, yeah, go to our Facebook page at uh, facebook.com forward slash Unite Inland Empire. And we have there the uh, entire
2: uh, stream of his event. Well, I think you know, turning to a um, different subject altogether is there was an important election in the Netherlands this week. And uh, there was a parliamentary election. It appeared that before that that uh, Geert Wilders and his political party were going to significantly improve their position, maybe even be the uh, largest political party. The way the system is such that no... It, no one party is ever going to get a majority in their parliament, so it's always a coalition government. But there was a prospect that his party, and he's very strong against uh, stopping Muslim immigration and protecting their freedom and their culture there in, in in the Netherlands, was going to win the election. But that turned out not to be so, and that the ruling party, while suffer while reducing their numbers substantially, is still the majority party and the current prime minister will probably continue as the prime minister. Right. And
1: the big the big question mark hanging over Europe right now, of course, is whether or not their approach to multiculturalism, uh, their invitation to just have open borders and accept this tidal wave of refugees coming across the border, uh, absorbing it into their society somehow. Whether or not that has actually is actually having an impact, and apparently it is because, you know, that Donald, if anything, what Donald Trump has done effectively is directed the national conversation to wherever he points his needle at if you will so in the beginning it was pointed at immigration and then uh recently if you will at a at, a, at an event he mentioned Sweden of course he got a lot what he what the media doesn't understand is as much as they try to make fun of him and correct whatever it is he says it does nothing but add to uh the awareness of America about whatever e- issue he tweets about
2: Right, yeah, and, and then it was, it was amazing. Is almost on cue after go you know, Oh no, Trump's wrong. Trump's wrong. He's lying. The Muslims start rioting in Sweden. The, the, the day, the next day after he says that, but there was another. I mean, speaking of Sweden, there was another story that caught my eye this week. And in, in Europe, they have that the, the, the Muslim immigrants tend to congregate in areas and, in fact, and achieve effective control over those areas. They become no go zones where the government either can't go in or basically says we were, we're not going to go into those, to those areas. The police wanted to build a new police station in a Muslim neighborhood in Sweden. And it was so dangerous, not a single contractor bid for this project, even though the, the that site would have been guarded 24-7 by the police. It's crazy what's going on.
1: In fact, speaking of reading articles, there was just an article that was printed up this week uh, in a related subject. There are, are now, as a result of filing what's called the British version of the Freedom of Information Act. Uh, Someone was successful in getting all of the police records for acid attacks in Britain, in England. And what they found was that over the last five years, there has been a 100% increase in acid attacks. Surprise, surprise. Would you believe that the total number of acid attacks in Britain are now at 1,500 acid attacks? Total per year? Total. Total. I mean, you know that there was one is outrageous,
2: right? right. And and we see with an acid attack. This, what what happens is the person, almost always a Muslim, will throw acid in the face of the target of that attack. Right
1: now, what I need to do is there was there there's a there's an interesting phenomenon that's happening in Britain is that all of these acid attacks are not. Uh, what we would call honor violence, what's happening is there are a lot of gangs in Britain that are picking up on this idea of an acid attack, and they're actually using it as a way to uh, attack a competing gang. So they've picked up on this tactic, if you will, that was popularized by uh, use in Pakistan or in other countries, like in Britain, where a man ostensibly will use acid to throw it in the face of a woman who has disparaged his honor somehow, whether it has to do with turning him down on a marital invitation, being, you know, being an adulteress, if you will, or not even. Or even honoring-
2: a daughter refu- refusing the father's command. Right. To, yeah. You're going to marry this person or the daughter has it dates a non-Muslim.
1: Right. So now this is this tactic is being popularized and picked up by British gangs not necessarily anything to do with Islam but uh interesting that this uh tactic that was popularized by uh, you know this hate crime, if you will, this in, in, interreligious hate crime uh, used in uh, in Islam uh, is now being picked up. In and other there's ways. just so
2: much the, the big terrorist attacks like Brussels or Paris tend to get a lot of media attention. They have to, but this kind of retail jihad, where somebody there's the, the attack on the street, the um, there was just a, a there's a video of some of a woman, uh, a British woman, she was. Her, she was punched in the face and her nose was broken uh, by a group of Muslims on the street. And that very retail street level of the jihad gets very little attention. Right. But, of course, this all has nothing to do with Islam.
1: Not, n- not a thing. we got to take a quick break. Speaking of nothing to do with Islam, Donald Trump's travel ban was turned down, uh, was turned away, I guess, by a judge in Hawaii. We'll have a few comments on that. But uh, when we return after
2: this word from our sponsor for this half hour here on the United Inland Empire radio show. All-Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of wreck and roll. Back after this.
5: mention am 590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or a hundred dollars off your repairs car star all-star collision the kings of wreck and roll 951-279-9161 am 590
2: the answer welcome back to unite ie radio where we annoy liberals with truth and reason while russian prager take the weekend off Somebody's got to hold down the fort,
1: Greg. Well, the Hawaiian uh, federal judge this week uh, put an injunction against the second version of Donald Trump's travel ban. Greg,
2: what do you know about this? Well, what they do is they can file these lawsuits all over the country, and they just need to find one liberal judge someplace who will issue an injunction. And it's it is, this is wrong on so many levels. Uh, Aliens, for people in foreign countries, have no constitutional rights, as well as well-established precedent that only the alien seeking to be removed can challenge his removal. Plus, a a court with a request for injunction is supposed to narrowly tail the, tailor the injunction to the plaintiffs before the judge, not issue some blanket nationwide ruling because. This is just one district court judge in Hawaii. There's a lot of other district court judges that may rule very differently on the case. So this is, this is wrong on so many levels and it's, it's going to have to be appealed. We'll see what, it may not even survive the Ninth Circuit because the revised order was revised to address the concerns expressed by the Ninth Circuit last time. And specifically, the order now excludes people that are already legal residents. Of one, the of the,
1: one of the things I honestly I don't understand is this judge basically used Donald Trump's prior comments as context for his injunction. How how is it that you can use political rhetoric now and and pull that in under uh, uh you know under this umbrella of law? In or, I thought you had to take physically what was
2: before you in order to make these decisions you're supposed to but when the, when the law isn't on your side you need to make something up so this and that's what and that's what, and that's what and that's what liberal judges that's what liberal judges do
1: all right there's going to be so much more that's going to be covered over the next roughly 40 days of Donald Trump's first 100 days at the Unite IE Conservative Conference titled uh, our theme for this year is donald trump's first hundred days we have got a great lineup of speakers with possibly more being added by the time that the conference happens it's going to be on april 30th at the convention center in riverside and we've got a great guest lineup so far you can go to am590.info to get your tickets and greg who is a, a part of our lineup
2: Dennis Prager, Larry Elder, Hugh Hewitt, and Joe Pollock of Breitbart News who wrote the book How Trump Won. Just those four are going to make it a great
1: conference with a lot of groups that are throughout the Inland Empire that you can learn more about how to get involved. That's it for another edition of United IA Radio. Back next week at four o'clock.